This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I love church. I love everything about church. I love the people, the pastors, Sunday school. My dad was a pastor. My mom was a pastor. I grew up in church. I jokingly say I was probably conceived in church, but I don't think so. And, uh, but there's just something about God's house. You know, it's a hospital. It's a neonatal unit. It is a college. It's a family. It's an army. And when you look at the beauty of the church, the power of the church. You know, you guys are looking for good government right now, but you know, good government doesn't change the hearts of a nation. Good government puts in systems and structures, and we want good government. Only the church of Jesus Christ will bring the heart change that is needed from the cities to the states. And so you are crucial. You are important in what you're doing. For seven years, my dad had a little church in Canada, and because he couldn't afford to hire me as a pastor, I was an ordained minister, I had to work and support myself. And so I became a paramedic, uh, worked my way up, began to train a lot of the firemen, a lot of the crews that were out there, would go onto the streets all the time on call. I get beeped out of church. I'd be preaching and get beeped out sometimes. Have to hand the mic to somebody and say, finish the message, go into a car accident. When I first began to do this emergency work, I had an incident that happened to me that changed me forever and put me on the journey that I want to talk about with you today because I believe that God has got something for each of you. I'm not really here to just minister to you today. Um, if God does, that's cool. I actually want to provoke you. I want to see you specifically move up into the next season that God has for you. You've been waiting for it. You've been wanting it, which is why you feel like you keep banging your head against the ceiling. It might be business, might be relationship, might be uh, mentally, physically, uh, financially, but you just sense that, you know, there's just, ah, what's going on? And when you go through transition, uh, it, it feels weird. It can feel as if sometimes things aren't going right. You know, when a, when a wife or when a woman is giving birth to a child, uh, transition is not always a fun time. Uh, but it always gives birth to something gorgeous and beautiful and amazing. And that's what God has for every one of you here. And there's things he needs you to do. Now, I was out on a call about 3 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday night. And about an hour out of the city that we lived in, we came, we were called to an accident scene. And as we pulled up, the unit shone the big spotlights into the ditch. And I climbed out. And uh, look, there's a car upside down in a ditch of water. And as I, the lights lit up the dark ditches, you could see a woman hanging in a seatbelt upside down. And another child in the car hanging upside down in the seatbelt. Another one laying dead in the water face down. I could see blood in the water. And it was a really surreal scene. And as the ambulance parked there, you know, the red and the blue lights were flashing through the trees on the other side of the ditch. And you know how sometimes you can go through a ton of thinking thoughts and imagination in a split second? Sunday night, that night, we had just done a miracle service, which we still do today, much like this. 
where we just worship. I mean, the band plays. People just, it's the most gorgeous time of the people of God coming together. And, and then we would pray with people and God, people would be touched. But as I stepped off the shoulder of the road into the cold water of the ditch, this hit me. I was just at a church service. We had beautiful music playing. People were touched. Just worshiping, you could see God healing and restoring. Then we'd pray with people at the altar. And, and you know, there was people that would help control the lineups because they're usually big services. And, and, uh, but as I stepped into the water, it just stopped. And I thought, all the preachers in my kind of, not denomination, but circle of churches, you know, they always talk about the anointing is here to heal. The anointing is here. God's going to do something great. And it was always when the music would swell and, and, and harmonies would flow and people would get involved and then God would move. So here I am and, and I can't, all I can hear in the silence of the lights, red and blue, in the, is this mum groaning. Because now that the spotlights are on, she sees her child in the ditch. And I could hear sirens in the distance because we knew that fire was being called, police were called, we were first on the scene. And as I began to walk into the ditch, I was thinking this thought, and I thought, God, something's wrong. Because I've been kind of taught by my denomination or my, my, my type of church that we need music for God's presence to really be strong. We need unity. We need to hush the kids and no one move around right now. God is moving. As though if anybody chews gum, the Holy Spirit's going to leave. And so as I, as I began to walk into the ditch, I thought to myself, what am I going to do, God? This woman needs a miracle. I mean, this is one of, some of, the, one of the worst. It was my, one of my first brutal accidents. And I thought, God, how can I see miracles here? I, I don't have a band with me to play on the road. There's no ushers to control the crowd and keep everybody quiet and keep God's presence being respected. All I can hear is the groans of a mom, the sirens in the different distance, the driver that drove me there screaming at me, hogging at me, what are we going to bring? How are we going to do this? How are we going to open up that car? What do you need? And in, in a flash, I begin to realize that I as a pastor have everything set up for me to minister to people. And I do it in a wonderful place called a church. And I've got ushers to control people, ushers to keep the presence of God flowing and to hush the kids. I've got a great band who are going to keep the presence of God going, keep everyone's heart focused on Jesus Christ. I've got catchers and greeters for anything else that might happen. And I mean, we control the scene here so that God can move. But then I realized nobody else in our church gets that. Nurses don't get bands and catchers and ushers and... and, and you know, paramedics don't get it and policemen don't get it. And yet we are all supposed to be doing miracles everywhere we go. God's supposed to be flowing through us. He's supposed to be doing things for us. And I realized that in my world, I had developed a doctrine of ministering to people that required a lot of, I'm gonna, don't get upset with me. I'm going to be really blunt. It required a lot of stuff for God to move. We had, I had heard really adept uh, teachings on the anointing. And as worship would play, it was as though the anointing would increase and increase. And there's great teachings on different kinds of anointings, and most of it is Old Testament teaching, because every believer today, only, the word anointing is only in the New Testament like two or three times, but the most important time is that Jesus is the anointed one. 
And the anointed one who sets captives free and raises the dead and heal. He is in every believer. He's in all of you here. And so instantly I recognized that the way we were doing church, we would continue because the church is a hospital to those who are broken. But it's also a college to those who need to be taught. It's, it's an army training grounds to release the saints to be potent and awesome and amazing for God. But, we, but I was modeling it wrong. And so God spoke to me very clearly as I went into that ditch and said, I'm going to teach you how to see the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of God in the lives of people outside of the four walls of the church. For the next seven years... God began to take me back into the Bible. Um, I began to pray. I began to see people raised from the dead. I began to see growths disappear in front of OR teams. I was in the OR team stationed out of a hospital. I was also in the Resus uh, room, 99 crash cart team. And so I would see miracles where bones would move back into place. I began to practice and, and look into God's word saying, how can I hear your voice? And how can I sense you? And now here's the thing about being in a hospital. You know, You can read books like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, all the great old leaders who threw bodies against the wall and commanded them to live. And Well, I'd go to jail for that today. Okay, uh, you don't do that, okay? They're going to lock you up. And the way the language of church is, is the Lord spoke to me and told me this. I have a word for you, and I found out that doesn't work in hospitals either. They think, "You, you hear voices? And they want to give me pills and lock me up on the seventh floor if I tell them I hear voices and if God speaks to me. So I recognize the culture that we live in today really isn't conducive to a lot of the stuff, the church world, I maybe you weren't brought up, but that I was brought up in, it didn't work in the boardroom. It didn't work in Starbucks. It didn't work in the ORs. Because the second you begin to dip into your subculture called Christianity, or really it was religion, the second you started to go there, people were turned off. And so I began, but yet there's a whole group of people who like to act spiritual. Okay? It's like they're so needy on the inside that, that showing that God uses them and God speaks to them is so important. They've got a word in the hallways and God showed them this and they got a vision for that. And I remember thinking, I must have something wrong with me because I've never and still have never heard an audible voice from God. But there's some, I just call them granola Christians. They're the fruits, nuts, and flakes. And, uh, you know, they like talking that way. They like acting that way. You know, it's, it's like a lady who, Christian lady has got a plumber coming to her door to fix the plumbing. And she's trying to think of a way to get the presence of God on his life and get him saved. So he rings a doorbell. She throws the doors open. And she says, praise the Lord, brother. Aren't you glad you're saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb? And the plumber has never been to church. And he looks at this crazy lady and he thinks, she thinks I'm her brother? Dude. And, and saved, does she have a pit bull? Like, what, what, what do I have to be worried about? I've got to be saved for something? And is she killing sheep in the backyard? Like, this is a crazy... Like, none of the vernacular works. None of that talking works. I mean, it works between brothers. You and I could sit down over coffee as two believers and have a conversation about justification, sanctification, righteousness, grace, mercy, and faith. All of these beautiful topics. You and I could talk, and one word, sanctification, would save me from explaining for hours. But 
in the world that we are called to, we must speak the language of the people that we go to. Amen? We must conduct ourselves in a way that honors the people we're ministering to, even if they're lost, hurting, sinful, messed up, does not give us a right to look down our noses at them as though, I've got the answer, boy. No, 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 no. Love is always first. The Bible teaches us, pursue love, but desire earnestly the spiritual gifts. So I begin to dive into the Word. Now, I've been a pastor teaching and preaching, love the Word, been raised in the Word. But now I'm looking at Holy Spirit and how can I teach and operate in boardrooms and hospitals and see the miracles of God. And I begin to have to change what I thought about listening and getting direction from Holy Spirit. I would look at the nine gifts of the Spirit. Three gifts say things, three gifts do things, three gifts reveal things. And I realized, who cares what you call the gift that just worked as long as it happened? So, Pastor, I just got healed. Was that a gift to healing? Was that a working of miracles or a gift of faith? Who cares? Who cares? Like, the Bible divides them into nine categories to show you how Holy Spirit works. He works in these directions. You can't use them for hexes. You can't use Holy Spirit for killing people or stealing their wife or their car. I mean, it's just giving us guidelines for the presence of God moving in our lives. And so he'll do these things. He'll say these things. He'll reveal these things. And so I begin to have a new look at, at the Word of God. And I begin to say, God, now guide me and show me. And I began a journey that I now call Spirit Contemporary. I wrote a book called The Spirit Contemporary Life, which is teaching and a look at the journey that I went through as I struggled to still and be a pastor and have beautiful services like this, like you guys have today in worship. But now when I get onto the streets, how do I hear from God when people are cursing and screaming? And, and how do I sense God when there's sirens going on and moaning and groaning or when people are mad and angry? And so God began to teach me. Before I get into the things I had to learn and some of the points I had to deal with, let me tell you a couple of stories. Had a guy uh, walk up to me one time, and he had a package. So he was a truck driver, a delivery driver, and I went to sign for it. And as I'm signing for it, a word came up from deep inside of me. You see, Holy Spirit does not speak to your head. He speaks to your heart. He doesn't speak to your ears. He speaks to your heart. And then it rises up. The Bible teaches us that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of of the belly. So when God speaks to you, he gives you impressions. He gives you a sensing. He gives you a nudge. He gives you a direction. He has never spoken to me in an audible voice. I don't hear words. But when he gives me a nudge and it rises up, it also has to rise through an unrenewed mind. So people can get a nudge from Holy Spirit and then get it wrong because they haven't renewed their mind in the word. So you always sense God in here. You don't sense him up here. You know, there's three voices that you're dealing with. You're dealing with the reasoning of the mind, the feelings of the body, and then the conscience and the nudge of the spirit. And so your mind is always going to reason things away. Both the mind, reasoning, body, and feelings, they both want lead position in your life. But if you allow your heart to have lead position where Holy Spirit speaks to you, you'll find it much easier. So up this, up from inside came this sense of suicide. Suicide. And so I'm, I'm signing this and I thought, suicide. 
And, and I thought, okay, that's just me thinking because the guy was the toughest looking guy. I'm talking piercings and tattoos and long hair. And he was, all, you know, some guys look permanently angry. That was him. And uh, so I'm sitting there thinking, well, what am I going to do? And now, see, I came from a, a religious background, not my parents, but the group that they were with, that when you got a word of God from God, it looked something like this. Thus saith the Lord unto thee, the Lord of And you just, oh, in Elizabethan English, and the Lord spoken to you. And the person would listen to the word from God. But I ain't going to do it to this biker. He's going to stab me, you know. And so... How do I do this if this really is God? So I got done signing and I handed him back his clipboard and I said, man, don't do it. He looked at me and he goes, what the beep, beep, beep you talking about? You know what beeps mean here? Okay, I'm from TV, so. And I said, don't kill yourself. He looked at me and he was going to get mad and then he said, how did you know? And I said, is it true? Man, I was going to off myself after this call. He says, how do you know? Now right here, I have another decision to make. <laughs> because to so many Christians, it's important that they get the accolades. The Lord speaks to me. Little old me. And if you want a word from God, just come see me. My favorite coffee table or when I'm walking the back streets of the uh, hallways here. and I can give you direction. You know, it's the kind of, a, and I hate that attitude because the, the apostles never had that. So he goes, how'd you know? Well, I didn't want to start talking about Holy Spirit and getting saved yet. So I just said, man, so I'm not really sure how this works. But if God showed me something like that, he must really like you. He found that a shock. Because I'm sure he was living in every sin on the planet. And I said, can I buy you lunch? He goes, yeah. We went out for lunch. Bought him a great big meal so he couldn't you know, leave real quick. And I didn't have any but a glass of water. And I just talked and shared in a very classy, respectful way. Just how my life had been changed. And why suicide and things like that. He's still alive today. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now... The reason I'm telling you that story is because I call what I did there spirit contemporary. That means I listened to the presence and the spirit of God, Holy Spirit. But when I spoke with him, I didn't speak to him in a religious way. I didn't speak to him in an arrogant way. I didn't speak to him in a condescending way. I spoke to him in a contemporary way. Now, the word contemporary is not a specific look. Okay, so I'm contemporary because I got holes in my jeans, I got my hair just messed, and, uh, yeah, and I walk like this. Well, no, okay, contemporary is not a look. Contemporary is a sensing of who you're talking to and how to respectfully honor them while you share Jesus with them. And so I've, you know, I remember one time winning a hell's angel of the Lord and the guy was like tough as nails. I mean, he cussed every second word and we're talking and I'm, I mean, I'm calling him, you, you jerk, what's wrong with you? You, you just, you know, and, we, and we're just bad mouthing each other because I said, well, you talk to a guy like that. But I remember the next day talking to a young lady who just had an abortion. She was so wrecked on the inside. I didn't talk to her like that at all. Why? Because contemporary is the ability to become, not that you are faking anything, but it's the ability to communicate to someone in an effective way. Now, here's what here's about communication. Communication is never 
ultimately about you telling the truth. It's about how you make that person feel. You are a good communicator when the person listening to you gets it, feels it. You can't say, well, I shared truth. Bless God, you're going to hell, you dirty, rotten sinner. It doesn't really work for me. Uh, but, you know, and, and so it's not about you speaking it right. It's about you sensing. Now, Holy Spirit is the most contemporary presence in the universe. He understands rock and roll. He understands hip-hop. He understands senior citizens. He understands seven-year-olds. He understands suicidal people. He understands grandpas and grandmas. Okay? The Bible says there is no sin that's going to tempt you that Jesus wasn't tempted by and that he understands your feelings. And so it doesn't matter what you've gone through and what you've done. So when we as believers share our faith or live in our neighborhoods, go to our jobs, what, what does a Christian look like? Well, it's a guy walking down the street with a big old six-inch King James, bless God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about how you make everybody else feel, you arrogant Christian, you. You see, people who don't know Christ already have a sense of loss. When they meet a Christian, they already have a sense of, I don't measure up. I, I train pastors around the world and and I love just getting the different denominations. And one day I was teaching a group of pastors like this. And, and uh, this guy gets up and says, can I just make a comment here? And I said, yeah. I always get one in every crowd. And he says, you know, he says, in our church, the presence of God is so strong that when a sinner walks into our church, they either repent on the spot or they leave. So I said, oh, so then you must have a pretty small church. Yes, bless God, but I haven't compromised, and it's pure. I went, oh. I said, I don't really get that. I said, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, perfection in the flesh, anointed beyond belief, when he walked the planet, the alcoholics and prostitutes, liars and thieves, were attracted to him by the thousands. And they flocked the seashores to be with him. But you see, religion loves to have behavior cleaned up. Jesus knew that behavior is important, but only after heart change. Okay? For example, ladies, you know, if you tell your husband, bless God, I married you, and I want you to hug me, I want you to love me, I want you to be home at this time, and so the guy changes his behavior from single to married. So, oh, babe, it's 9 o'clock, come here, time for your hug. There you go. Oh, babe, time for us to eat, sit close, sit down. Your husband's sitting down with you now. Oh, babe, we're going to bed now. Like, and you, you've got his behavior, but you don't have his heart. How many would prefer his heart? To be madly in love with you. and work. You see, God is the same way. And so religion is so concerned about behavior. And, you know, I like good behavior too. I mean, if you are a puncher, I'm glad you behave when you're around me. If you're a thief, I'm glad you behave when you're around me. But God looks at the heart. And so he began to take me on a journey that I call spirit 
contemporary. I wanted to be spiritually alive with the presence of God for miracles. I wanted to sense Holy Spirit. I wanted to know what he wanted me to do. But at the same time, I wanted to be aware of how to be contemporary for each person that I was speaking to. I didn't want to be a religious granola, which was just, it was all about me. I got to get another star on the church roll. Ah, I brought one more to church. No, I want them to come to church with me because they love me and they're sensing not me manipulating, not me forcing. So in my journey, I had to begin to take a look at Holy Spirit. And I recognize that Jesus says in John, it's better for y'all if I go. Because if I go, Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he is going to lead you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. You see, when Jesus walked the planet, he gave up forever whatever form he had in heaven as the Son of God, and he became a human being. He gave up all his rights and privileges and even authority. And when he operated and walked on the planet, he functioned as a human being in the authority of actually a human being on the planet. So we all thought, well, that was Jesus. No, no, if, if Jesus did it, you can do it. Because he said, greater things shall ye do. He said, the things that I do shall you do also. So he's showing us that today there's an adventure for every one of us. That everywhere we go, we don't have to be a preaching, screaming machine. We don't have to be, you know, in our church... <laughs> Years ago, there's this big thing called the Toronto Blessing and other stuff going on. And, and some people really loved it. But a lot of the business people in our church and those who had developed good reputations in accounting and, and doctors and lawyers, they knew that if they were to join in some of the craziness that was going on, that people in their areas of business wouldn't respect them. And the Bible very clearly says that a good name is to be desired more than riches and gold. And so a lot of more, you know, a lot of business people, most churches are only good at reaching people in low strata income and who are in crises, which we should always reach them. But the gospel will also reach the middle class, the upper class, the government, the movers and shakers, the millionaires. The gospel reaches them all. It's just that there's a group of people out there who have spent years to develop a good name, to be honorable and integrous. And so they're concerned that, does God, is God going to make me run around and push people over or shout and scream and become a preaching machine? I, no, he's not. You see, Holy Spirit is the most contemporary force on the planet. And we've made mistakes thinking that the anointing is how loud you scream, how far you spit, and how weird you are. Wow, that guy's anointed. Really, really. Because we have no indication of Jesus doing any of that. We have no indication of the Apostle Paul doing any of that. I believe in prayer, I believe in intercessory prayer, but a lot of the stuff that's taken to the extremes we don't find in the New Covenant. We don't find the apostles doing it. We don't find the early church doing some of the things that we practice. Even if you think a church service is sacred and can't be changed. You know, well, you know, pastor, I mean, we need to have our... Listen, there is no indication of a church service anywhere in the Bible. So however your pastors want to change the service, however they want to preach or teach or do, you can't say, that's compromise. Every time you change something, I know I'm a pastor. Anytime I try to change something, he's compromising. 
Compromising what? The Word of God. Show me in the Word. One guy said to me, he says, he come up to me and he's wearing this beautiful suit and tie and he goes, I want you to know I'm offended. I said, why is that? He says, when I come to the house of God, I wear my best. And you're preaching in jeans, runners, and a t-shirt? So I looked at his suit and I went, dude, my jeans, t-shirt, and runners cost more than your whole suit. Really? Church is about what we wear? Really? I mean, if that's the case, you better get a dress on because that's what Jesus wore. Religion has a way of destroying a life-giving church as people develop systems for Holy Spirit to minister and egos begin to rise up. And, and I got tired of it. You know, there's a story in the Bible of, of Paul and Barnabas. And they were in Lystra. And as Paul is teaching, he looks at a man who's crippled in his ankles. And he realizes, it says, he had faith to be healed. So he said, stand up. And the man jumped up. And for the first time in his entire life, he's running around. Well, the city went nuts. And they had this cult outside the city gates. And they began to bring bulls over to the city gates. And they wanted to sacrifice them. And they'd have wreaths around these bulls. And they were going to kill them and bleed them out and sacrifice them. Because Paul and Barnabas, they thought, were the gods Zeus and Apollos. Now, I know a lot of Christians who love that. <laughs> but what Paul and Barnabas did was run through the crowd, ripping their clothes, saying, Stop this! We are only men like you! If God's going to use us, we need to leave our egos at the door. God using us is not about getting credit. Church is not about, can I get a mic? Can I get a mic? People come to our church and say, you know, Pastor, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer, but I just want to know one thing. Uh, yeah, if I come to this church, will you use my gift? I always say no. I mean, of course, if they were right. But because they ask, and that's the first thing they ask, I always say no. No, we won't. And then they leave, thank God. And uh, because I don't want religious people in my church. I, I will do things in our church just to make the religious people leave. So... Now I'm getting naughty, okay. So when, when we begin to recognize that we must desire earnestly the spiritual gifts, but we shouldn't pursue them. The Bible says pursue love, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So as I begin to begin on this journey, I begin to understand that Holy Spirit could speak to me and use me uh, in a boardroom. He'd speak to me in a, in, a, in a... I remember one time being on the scene of a horrific crash, and I was the supervisor, and I was just walking around as different teams were maximizing survivors, and we had a, you know, tow trucks because we had a bit of a cliff situation. One young man was laying on his stomach. He, was, he wasn't conscious, uh, but he was breathing and fine, and so they had a team that had uh, put a cervical collar on him, and they were, but they had to roll him onto a backboard. And I was just walking around through the multiple uh, casualties, and all of a sudden I just sensed something in me. And God just grabbed my attention. And I said, stop, because they were just about to roll him. And they stopped. And I, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that God had drawn my attention to that man. So I walked over there, and I slipped a pair of gloves on really quick. And they'd already scanned him for blood, 
But as I put my hands in under his belly, he was cut from here to here. He had slid in the ditch on glass. So if they would have rolled him, they would have disemboweled him right there. It would have just left the bowels and it would have been horrific. It would have been horrible. But because we had stopped, put my hands and rolled him as a unit, he was literally out of the hospital in five days. So incredible things like that that, you know, it, now, when God speaks to me, I don't get holy clouds of fire and great balls of fire and, and, and angel goosebumps up my neck. I don't hear angels singing the hallelujah chorus, and I don't get none of that stuff. I just have learned to sense the nudge of Holy Spirit. For example, I'll walk into a coffee shop like a Starbucks, and this happens to me often, and it happens to you when I explain it to you. I'll walk in and go to grab a cup of coffee, and one person just stands out to me. And I'll look over there and I'll just see a guy sitting at a table and I'll kind of go, hmm. But, you know, it something stands out to me. So I'll grab my coffee and I'll walk over to his table and say, hey, man, do you mind if I join you? I'm alone for coffee today, too. And I do this a lot. And they always go, uh, no, man, grab a seat. One guy sat down at the table and we just chatted about sports and stuff for a good half an hour. And then I just sensed it was that, that I could ask him a question. So I said, man, you're, you don't look very happy. I said, you okay? He says, no. He says, my, my wife's dying of cancer in the hospital down the road. And I come here just for breaks. We're just waiting for her to pass away. They won't do any treatment for her. And he said, so I just, I just come here to get some space. So I said, man, and we talked a little bit about cancer and people that I've lost. And I said, can I ask you, would you mind if I got your wife's name? Our church, we love to pray. And I'd like to submit your wife's name to our church. I didn't tell him I was on television that I was the pastor of this church. I didn't tell him nothing. It's not about me. It's not about me looking good. It's not about me getting the glory. I'm just a man that God wants to use. As I asked him that question, he got all teary-eyed. And he said, thank you. You see, when you're going through something, the smallest kindness will bring tears to your eyes, if you know what I mean. You go through anything, and one person just encouraging. He gave me her name. And about two months later, I was back in that Starbucks, and I walked in, and who's sitting in? Well, actually, I didn't recognize him right away, this guy. He, this guy gets up, and he goes, Leon! I turned around, and it took me a moment. He goes, come here, join me! So I came over and joined You're never going to guess what. I went, What? He says, remember when I gave you that name for your church to pray? My wife's name? I said, yeah. He says, do you know that I went back and within a day or two that she didn't pass away? And finally they had to re-examine her again. And they said to me, you know, we think she is strong enough for some treatment. So they started doing treatment on her. I said, great. He said, he said, you know, he said, they literally brought her to remission. She's home. I said, what? He said, thank you. Now, here's what I want to get across. Even if she wasn't healed, I would have won that man to the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? It wasn't my job to walk in there, the man of God, power for the hour, and say, step on the side, I'm going to heal this. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's about just bringing the love of Jesus into a situation okay now another time man i don't know why i'm doing this i have got a whole bunch of notes and i'm not even going to go there so is this okay for you Are we doing okay because i want to model for you some of the things i think will help you i got a phone call from the church one day and 
They said, there's a lady here whose dad's dying. We'd like you to pray for him in the hospital. I said, sure. Could she go with you? I said, yeah. So we met at the hospital, and, and uh, I said, okay, fill me in. She goes, well... I want you to pray for my dad. He's in a death coma. He hasn't been conscious in two weeks. He's not eating. He's not drinking. They've given up. He's Red Star, which in that hospital meant no one resuscitates him. When he dies, you let him go. And she goes, but my, my, my brothers and my sisters are up there, and they don't want you to pray for him. I said, what? They don't want you to pray for him. I said, why not? Well, pastor, you know how you say that there's granola Christians? Yeah. Well, I think I've been a bit of a granola. I've tried so hard. I've preached at them and tried to get them to church and, and argued with them. And they're so sick of me. And I said, well, sweetie, I said, I'm not going to pray for your dad against their wishes. But I'll try. She goes, okay. So we walked upstairs to this hospital room. As we opened the door and I stepped inside, there was a brother and a couple of sisters. And the second he saw me, his face just got angry. And I don't blame him. His dad is on the bed dying. This granola sister has been arguing, condescending, arrogant, come out to Springs Church. You got to hear Pastor Leon, all the wrong moves. And so what am I going to do? Now, if you read a lot of the great old books of some of the healing evangelists, who I love, but it worked in that day, it would be like, kick the door open and, in the name of Jesus! Yeah! <laughs> but you can't, they're going to kick me out of the hospital if I get that preach on, all right? So instead, I looked at the brother and I said, I want to apologize. I said, I do not mean to be here at this time to bring even more pain. So I understand that your sister... She's been kind of weird with you guys about our church. And he goes, yep. And I said, and I apologize for that. That's not my heart. And so I'm going to leave if you don't want me to pray. But it's her dad too. And if you'd let me, I'll just pray a 30-second prayer. It's not the last rites. A prayer of blessing over your dad. And then I'll leave you guys to just to be alone with him. Me entreating him like that, honoring him, respecting him, his, his face just changed. And he said, Pastor, I'm sorry, come on in. So I walked over to the bed and the body's laying there. He was blue-gray. You could hear the death rattle in his throat. He's not eating, drinking, he hasn't been conscious for two weeks. And uh, he, he was going to go. And, and they said, you know, that day the family was all called around. And I used to be a paramedic, so I knew exactly. So I walked over there. The room is as quiet as a tomb. There's no worship music. There's no catchers or greeters. There's no ushers. There's no, he touched me playing in the background. Okay, it's just the noise of a hospital and the silence as I walk over to this older man. So I lay my hands on his leg. And this is what I prayed in front of the whole room. I said, God, I'm asking you to bring peace to this family. This is a hard time. And I'm asking you to touch these, this man these women. And Father, guide them, be with them through this time. You just sense the presence of God come on as I prayed in a way that ministered to the family who weren't even believers. And Father, for this man, I just speak blessing over him in the name of Jesus. Amen. I didn't go through the Romans road. I didn't go through all the commanding verses. You know, none of that. I, I just, just prayed a prayer blessing. 
And I thought, okay. So I turned around, and, and I, wanted, I wanted to win this family to Jesus. This woman had failed at it. I wanted to be able to do it. So as I walked towards them in the room, I could see one of the sisters crying. I could see he was touched by how I had prayed for this man. But as I went to speak with them, and they came over to me to shake my hand, and everything had changed, all of a sudden the man sits up in the bed, and he looks at me, and he goes, this is, he said it in kind of a weird, this is God's man, because he wasn't a Christian. You listen to him. And, he's, and they freaked. The room went crazy. The, the woman going to our church and her brother and two sisters all kind of literally, screamed. they ran to the bed. They're hugging him. So I just said that for 45 minutes, I shared with them what had happened and why it happened and who Jesus was, what he did on the cross, what he took on the cross. Now, I've got to finish up here, but I so want to understand something here. Ministering when Holy Spirit begins to flow through you is not about you. It's not about you getting the glory. It's not about you putting on a show. Everything in the New Testament, including Jesus Christ himself, was about, don't get offended, dumbing it down. Jesus would say, don't tell anybody about this miracle. A great miracle would take place, and Jesus would say, don't tell anybody. The apostles would do miracles, and they did not try to think of a way. Now, if Holy Spirit wants to take that miracle and grandstand with the miracle, that's got nothing to do with you. Okay, let him. People will be shocked when cancers disappear, and you find out that they are suicidal. The issue that I want to get across to you today is this. Your pastors in this church are not called to do the work of the ministry. What? No. They, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, are to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, I don't have more of an anointing on my life than you do. We both have the anointed one. And within the anointed one, Jesus, is all the power that is needed for any situation. So what we do as pastors is teach you the word and we will minister to you in the hospital, the college of a church. We'll minister with music and we will get you touched. But you need to understand that when you go to your house, when you go to a hospital or a boardroom, that there is a level of life that is open to you that is so far beyond where you are. That if you're in business, Holy Spirit will use the gifts of the Spirit to make you money. He will help it to reach your kids. My mama was a pastor. My dad's in heaven. And when we were teenagers, I had four brothers. Their names are Guy, Manning, Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll were twins. My dad was a pastor. Who knows why he named them Rock and Roll. Uh, but that was their name. So they went through a period of smoking dope, doing drugs. And my mom would be sitting at the table like this. We'd be eating and all of a sudden she'd go, There's something in my house that shouldn't be here. And us boys would look at her. She'd get up from the table. She'd walk straight into the rec room. She'd go right to the spot where the drugs were hid. She'd pull it out like this. And my brother would go, mum, 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 and she'd flush it down the toilet. She could find porn. She could find drugs. I mean, Holy Spirit will help you parent. Holy Spirit will help you do business. Holy Spirit will help you minister in healing. Holy Spirit will hire you staff. Holy Spirit will warn you about trouble. I was in the back of the church one day walking up, and I saw a guy walking to our church, and I just sensed on the inside, just 
evil. This is evil. I turned to the head usher. Come here, Dennis, come here. That man right there, I said, you are on him the entire time he's here. If he's in the bathroom, you walk in. If he walks by our kids' service, you're, don't, I don't want him to have three seconds by himself. Look at me. Done? He goes, I promise. So, cool. Nothing really happened. A couple weeks later, I saw this guy again walking into that. I said, another usher, come here. Pat. Him. I want you to follow him. I don't care if he even knows. I don't care if he gets mad. Don't you dare keep your eyes off him. He goes, I will. Two weeks later, I'm reading the paper. Man arrested for killing and eating his wife, and it's his picture. You see, Holy Spirit guides us. He leads us. He shows us things to come. He leads us into all truth. Jesus is showing us in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 those beautiful chapters of Jesus teaching how Holy Spirit would work with us. And did you know the most exciting thing you could imagine begins to happen if you're in business and all of a sudden God gives you ideas, creative ideas, witty ideas? If you're with a friend or a, and all of a sudden you just sense something? You know, if I'm talking to a guy and all of a sudden I just sense... He's got problems in his marriage, okay? For example, here's how I would operate in the things. I don't look at him and say, you know, I was just praying. The Lord just showed me you got problems in your marriage. That's not going to work. The guy's going to go, what you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. I would just, once I get that direction, I just start talking about me and Sally and, oh, you know, the other day. And I'd maybe tell him about a good fight we got into and some of the things we've walked through. And as I'm going in that direction, you'd see him soften and open up. And I'd get a chance to minister to him in this area of his marriage. You see, as you begin to sense and get nudges from Holy Spirit, let him give you directions. Then step out in faith. Be normal. Be spirit contemporary. Don't be crazy. Don't put on a show. Don't worry that what results do I have to get? If Holy Spirit is nudging you, he's in charge of what's going to go down. And it takes the pressure off of you and I. There is a place that I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to go. And that is, once you know you're saved, great, spirit-filled, wonderful, the promises are yours, great, all this wonderful stuff, but it's about you. What I want you to do is every morning you wake up, I want you to say this to God. Say, God, what can I do for you today? Just pray. I dare you to pray that prayer. What can I do for you today? And you will be amazed as you begin to go how that little things, look for the little things. Forget all the big, well, I was waiting for a voice to tell me who to raise from the dead, Pastor. Okay, chill out. Just look for someone to go talk to. Just look for someone that, you know, or, and as you get these nudges and these senses, you'll begin to get them clearer and clearer, and you'll have the most exciting life you could ever imagine. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.